Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 82 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Today, we will be speaking to Courtney Condy. She is 28. She is the founder of Occupation Wild, which is a website for people looking for job opportunities in the outdoor industry. This episode is a great story about how chasing success in the traditional sense of working your way up the corporate ladder and seeking financial success and following the social expectations of others can often lead to emptiness and ultimately unhappiness. And that sometimes you can find your true calling somewhere totally outside of what you would anticipate. I think this is a story that many people listening will be able to identify with. It is a story that I think is becoming more common. And I'm happy that we are able to share it with you because this episode just barely happened. Courtney and I were just crossing paths as she made her way through L.A. And so this episode just barely got to happen one afternoon. So with that in mind, let's go hear Courtney talk about the joys of being a camp bitch and why avoiding Coachella can change your life. I'm Courtney Condy. I've been working the past few years as an adventure travel guide, and I just started a company called Occupation Wild to help other people find their dream adventure, travel, and outdoor jobs. So let's talk about you as Courtney first. You're now interested in introducing everyone to all these adventure jobs and these travel jobs. Mm-hmm. When you contacted me, you mentioned that you did not originally take that path. No, not at all. I kind of did the very traditional route, went to college. I went to Bucknell in Pennsylvania, which is a very preppy college. And everyone either goes to like work in New York and works in finance or something like that. When I was in college, I kind of was very much on that track. I always had this idea, by the time I'm 30, I'll make a million dollars, which is crazy (laughs) because now I'm turned 28 in a few weeks and I definitely don't have a million dollars. My whole rationale behind stuff is I would just work so hard and I would make it and then I'd have all this time and extra cash to like do all the things I wanted to do. I think a lot of times people in college have that idea and when I graduated from college, I went right into the corporate sector. I didn't take a gap year or anything like that because I was like, that's a waste of my time. Like I need to be working super hard. And I started working and I moved to San Francisco and I'm from right outside of San Francisco. I didn't really like align super well with it. It got to a point where it was very repetitive. You go to the same happy hours and you're always just drinking. Then you're too hungover to like do other stuff. I realized that wasn't really what I was passionate about, but I didn't really know what else to do at all because that was all I knew. I didn't know anybody who worked in the outdoor industry. And I was just like, oh, well, maybe I'm in the wrong job. By happenstance, it was 2015, so I was 24, and I was on my computer trying to find tickets to Coachella, (laughs) of all things. (laughs) Somebody had invited me, and I was like, okay, great, this sounds super fun, I've never been. I'm looking, they're like super expensive, and my really good girlfriend from college calls, my friend Meredith Kaufman, and she's like, what are you doing in April? 
and I was like, I'm going to go to Coachella. And she goes, screw Coachella. Let's go to Nepal and go on an Everest base camp trek. And I was like, okay, sure. She was like, I found this package deal online to get into this trekking group. It's $800 and then we only have to get flights. And I was like, whoa, okay. And, and those are only going to be $1,400. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally didn't think it through. Didn't even think that I had to clear it with work to take off almost a month to go do this, but bought tickets to this thing that night and bought flights. And this was maybe in January. But you were going to miss Coachella. I know. Well, I made this decision. <laughs> she was like, don't be lame and go to Coachella. That's so dumb. <laughs> I just want to point out, not to give you a hard time, yeah. but you are blonde. You're wearing glasses. You grew up outside of San Francisco and you're telling a Coachella story. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but you went to Nepal instead. Like, life is all about dualities. So, like, <laughs> embrace your inner, like, basic girl, but also go to Nepal. I kind of just, like, went to Nepal at this point in my life where I was, like, so over my life in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure before I left, I, like, cried to my mom, being like, I'm just unhappy. And it was weird at 24 to feel really unhappy because I just thought everybody else had it figured out. So what it sounds like is you were sold that routine that we're all sold, which is hey, you're going to take these steps, get this sort of education, which is going to lead to this sort of career. You're going to be super successful in it and so fulfilled somehow. And you're going to offset everything else in your life till after that. Once you've made that success, well, then you'll go have children, married, whatever, retire. And then you'll do interesting things with your life that aren't work. And you realized, oh, you had been sold the same lie everyone else has been sold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of just hit the nail on the head with that. And so like when I go to Nepal... We like get there. I didn't done that much international travel. I studied abroad in Beijing when I was in college. But other than that, I went to Europe with my family to visit my dad's friends when I was like middle school. So I had a lot of crazy travel experiences and get to Nepal. It's awesome. Having a great time. And we like set off on this trek and I didn't know anything about trekking. And there were like people there with all the right stuff. But it was really fun. Met a lot of people up until the 25th of April was when that big earthquake in Nepal happened. And we were about two days away from base camp. There's like a lot of crazy stuff that happened in a lot of the logistics of trying to find our way back down to Lukla to get a flight out. And so it ended up being there a lot longer than I was supposed to be. And this is the year, right, of the avalanche that hit base camp yes. itself. So that big year. What actually ended up happening is somebody in our trekking group ended up dying. Oh, really? Yeah. I think as you're going through something like that, you almost like don't have a lot of time to process what really happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know his exact age, but in his mid-40s. I remember talking to him because you like to talk with people in the group as you're like walking faster or slower. He had spent his whole life working and he was telling me, you know, I never got to get married or have a family or travel. So I'm starting to do that now. And he was like, actually, last month, I just went to Disneyland for the first time because I never had kids to take them there. And I remember being like, oh, that's really sad. He was like, you know, I've always wanted to go to Everest Base Camp and this has been my number one dream in my entire life. He never got to see it. And as I came back to the U.S., I started to like realize that story really, really affected me. It put a lot of stuff into perspective. That was kind of like my whole idea. This guy was saying, oh, it wasn't worth it. I waited so long and now I'm doing all these things I want to do. But he had just started a few months ago. It's interesting because you're early into your professional, quote unquote, I'm making yeah. finger quotes, professional career. You realize it's unfulfilling. You take this trip 
which oftentimes would just turn out to be like, oh, the cool trip where we went to Nepal, but you happen to end up there at a really tragic moment where you meet a person who has a tragic story and suffers from a tragedy, but his story parallels what you're grappling with at that exact moment. So that is a really odd juxtaposition of elements all happening at once. Yeah, it was such a weird time. And for a long time, I never liked to talk about it because I'd gone in... This is super weird because I meditate a lot and I just started meditating right about that time. I remember meditating like, hey, like universe, whatever's out there, can you give me a sign either way when I go to Nepal? And I never like to be like, you know, this was a sign given to me, but it was a big catalyst for my life. The thing with signs, right, is you choose to interpret everything around you. And so you can choose to see things as a sign and interpret them. Yeah, totally. We had to like hike down and it took a couple days and it was obviously very stressful. And then by the time I got back to the U.S., it felt really weird walking back into my apartment and then going back to work. And where were you when the avalanche occurred? Where were you in relation to So we were base camp? two days from base camp. If you've ever done the trek, we were on our way to Dingboche. So we're about two days away. So we never got to actually go to base camp. And how did you get the news that it had happened? We like felt it. I remember there's lots of confusion because people were like, maybe this is just like an isolated incident in the mountains. Mm-hmm. We couldn't really tell what was going on. And we ended up like stopping at a tea house for lunch to try to figure stuff out. And there's huge aftershocks going on, like people jumping out of windows and stuff. We just like continued up to the next guest house because the phones weren't working and the satellite phones weren't working. And then the people who are at base camp, yeah, they're figuring out what's going on. So it's not like they're immediately able to assess it and no. relay that information elsewhere. No, and I remember that day as we're walking up after the earthquake, maybe a couple of hours later, we start seeing helicopters flying towards base camp. And we were like, that's kind of weird. Then you started seeing big military helicopters. So we were like, maybe something happened, but we still didn't know. We hadn't heard anything. Right. And you don't assume something of the magnitude of what really happened would have happened because it hasn't happened before. Totally. We go to bed the next night. There's like aftershocks. Everyone's still very confused and people don't want to sleep, but we still don't understand what's happened. A lot of people just thought it was like isolated in the mountains. And I think it was not maybe the next day, but the day after that, one of the guides we were with was like, something really serious has happened. We're trying to walk to this one place with a landline. You guys should call your families or whoever and let them know. Because I didn't realize from my end that back home on the West, I already already heard about Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And they actually knew more than we knew. And they hadn't heard from us for like over 48 hours. So my my poor mom and dad are like freaking out. And I got a lot of crazy Facebook messages and Instagram things from people that I knew. And it was kind of weird because you had to be like, oh, it's okay. I'm alive. Oh, it's okay. I'm alive. Can you tell me what happened? Because we still don't know. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. And then people were like, when are you coming back home? And I was like, I don't know. We still have to walk, you know, like four, five days, like back down. And then you don't know what it's going to be like when you get there. And what's going to be functional. We didn't know that. And, you know, a lot of the trail has been, like, wiped out. So it was a very, like, crazy time. And then also somebody had passed away. So that was, like, a very weird thing in the group because the man that had passed away was traveling with friends. It was also this moment in my adult life where you're, like, somebody more adult than me will handle this. And then you're like, no, it's me. (laughs) Everyone's in the same situation you are. There's no Superman just standing by waiting to fix everything. Yeah, no one's going to give us any answers or help us figure it out other than ourselves. 
after that, I had gone back to San Francisco. I realized later I definitely had some PTSD, like was very freaked out about some stuff and was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Just told my roommates, gave my 30 days in my apartment and quit my job and decided I was going to move to Colorado because I had met people on this trek from Colorado and they were like, we're so happy. Obviously not after the earthquake, yeah, but yeah, they yeah, were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. awesome. In like their li- in their yeah, life, yeah. they were so happy. Two of them worked as like ski patrol. And I was like, wow, that's the place I got to go. So prior to this in your life up to this point, had you had any experiences in the outdoors beyond your typical hiking around somewhere simple? Like, did you participate in any of these sorts of activities before that? I grew up in Northern California. So like we'd go hiking, Mm -hmm. but like a day hike, never like backpacking or camping other than basic, basic car camping. So Nepal was really your first big experience like that. Yeah. And it turned into a tragedy and a moment for existential introspection. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. So then you met people from Colorado, as I'm sure they said it, and they told you about a different life you weren't even aware of. Yeah. And they just seemed super rad. I also still keep in touch with them. I love them. They're like camping and skiing every day. You know, I skied, but it was like weekend warrior prior to this and I was like wow this is awesome I'm just gonna move to Colorado and learned a big lesson there because I moved to Colorado (laughs) and just went back into the corporate sector thinking that just a pure location change would change everything and I got to do a lot more stuff and I went backpacking and I got really into trail and ultra running which was really fun and great but I realized it doesn't change that much when Monday through Friday you're just waiting for five o'clock on Friday to like get out. So the thing you were starting to realize is if you're unfulfilled during the week (laughs) being fulfilled for two days on the weekend doesn't fully counter it. Yeah, it doesn't really cut it. And I just found myself running so much. I was like always training for like whatever next trail race. And I was like waking up at 4.30 in the morning, getting runs in, going to my job, running more, like, you know, and then planning out all these like backpacking or running things during the weekend. I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I think there has to be a better way than just doing this. Like I kind of got from San Francisco to like Colorado and started to like start brainstorming next step. I think what did it for me is... I, like, worked at the most dysfunctional, craziest outdoor company, which I, like, won't name. Oh, that's a shame. With your hands, you should spell out their name, just so I know. (laughs) I don't know if you either. Really small. And it was, like, started by this husband and wife team who had major control issues. To this day, I'm still on a group text with my coworkers from there where we still, like, make fun of our time there. (laughs) And this was in Colorado. This is in Colorado. All right, everybody listening. (laughs) See if you can whittle that down and figure out what it is on your Yeah, (laughs) see if you can do that. But the job was so horrible. Like, I kid you not, I found myself crying on my commute to work because I didn't want to be there so badly. And it was one of those things where there's no PTO, no sick days. All I ever wanted to do was travel more and do stuff like that. Just kind of got fed up one day and was like, I quit. Don't want to do it. And now I'm going to move to Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I remember the HR lady was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't care anything about working here. I don't recommend doing this. I could not explain how over it I was. So I've had a number of terrible jobs in my life in those same moments. So I moved to Los Angeles 16 years ago and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections here. So the first few years sucked. And at one point I was working at, I don't mind naming, a Kinko's (laughs) in Pasadena. And it was a miserable, miserable job 
job and I realized one day that the only part of my day I looked forward to, and this is so pathetic, was the half hour where I would go into this coffee shop mm-hmm. and look at the newspaper and drink a drink before I went to work that day. That was the best part of my day. <laughs> and I realized it doesn't matter. I can't live like this. So I quit and I had no prospects and no money. And then I just had to figure it out after yeah. that. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You get to a point where it's like, I would rather be homeless yeah. than continue to be like this. And if you don't have a child to support, that is a decision you can make. I totally relate to that because also I'd go to all the top people and be like, oh, do you want coffee? And I would just... <laughs> You're just looking for an excuse, excuse to And leave. I would just go drive to like a Starbucks down the street or whatever coffee shop. And I would just waste an hour. Like people didn't really get mad at me because I was bringing them coffees. <laughs> I'd take everyone's order and go get it. Why am I doing this to myself? I don't have a family and it was just like right. me. And you know, I could sleep out of my car if I really had to. But I've always been like really big on the side hustle. So I was like, it's not going to happen. I'm gonna be fine. I just quit. You know, gave my two weeks. I didn't like quit on the day. I remember like one woman who worked in HR came to me and was like, "Would you consider staying three weeks?" And I was like, "All right, maybe." And I was like, "If you like." increase my hourly wage by like $10 an hour. And she was like, let me think about it. And I remember she came back and she was like, you drive a really hard bargain, Courtney. <laughs> they were like, we'll give you a $1 raise per hour for you to stay another week. And I was like, I'm out. I'm just never coming back here. It's funny because that last week would have been so miserable because yeah. you would have known you didn't have to be there. Yeah. And it would have just gone by so slowly <laughs> and so miserably. Yeah. So I left and I ended up applying to work as a trip leader for an active travel company. And is this something you accidentally stumbled upon or is this something it's you were aware of? So after Nepal, I did travel a little in Thailand and Bali later that year. And I met a leader there for this company and she was like, hey, you should apply. It was still kind of in that mindset. I was like, I can't just like go do this. I mean, it was like super funny. It's almost embarrassing to talk about now. I was like, I don't want to be 27 and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm 27 now, so. <laughs> so I... It was like very naive. And I remember it was like, oh my God, I have to apply to this. Applied, did the Skype interview and they're like, hey, we want to invite you to the hiring event in Berkeley, California, but we're just letting you know it's in like six days and this is the last one. So we are not hiring that many people. But if you think you can do it, come out. And you're like, I don't have a job. I was like, I don't ah. have any <laughs> other prospects. I was just like, well, <laughs> got to make it work. Went out there did my best and luckily my mom lives back in the Bay Area so I had like a place to crash. I remember them saying like we'll give you a call if you made it Sunday by one o'clock or if not we'll email you that you didn't get it. So I was like okay. Because <laughs> we don't want to hear you cry. Yeah actually call. though <laughs> you know one passes I never get a call and I'm like oh no what do I do now? I kind of had like put all my eggs in this basket. My mom was like I'll drive you to the airport and I just remember like crying being like I want to do this and now I didn't get it and as I'm like getting on the plane they're like offering me a position and then I was just crying more so, <laughs> so I got to go back to Denver sell all my stuff and then start wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. the airplane you're about to get on where was it headed to Denver okay so you were at least going the right direction yeah, yeah. it wasn't like oh shit now I'm on the wrong plane I need to get on no, the no, 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 no. I was going back to Denver because all I still right. had like all my stuff there and I was living there at the time yeah, so then they were offering me a position to work in like their camping section. And I guess sometimes people are disappointed when they get that. I was so excited to get offered anything. Mm-hmm. I cried my eyes out on the plane because I was like, this is it. Now I get to work outside every single day. Got to work my first summer in Zion and Bryce, which was awesome. Got to like hang out in the national park. 
works, worked in the Sonoran Desert. I was like working internationally all this past year, which was really fun. And so was this like a guiding service? Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. So this is a company that does active travel vacations. So like people pay. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> 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 it's like biking or hiking or multi-tour days. All right. So you were bringing people up the West Rim Trail. And yeah. It, like but that. like for me, when I first started, I was like put in their camp crew section. So I even get the cool leadering jobs. I kind of got the bitch job, I don't know if I can say that, where you're like <laughs> setting up glamping tents. Right, right, right. Making guest meals and like you're guest facing, but you're not the cool leader who's like let me take you on this great bike ride. You're like the one who's waking up at five in the morning to make scrambled eggs right, and bacon right, right. for people. But... You still preferred that to your previous I jobs. I loved it. I'd be like, <laughs> I have the best job in the whole world. I think anyone who's ever like been a leader or guide knows there's like times where you're like, oh my God, this is the craziest job ever. But I would take it any day over talking to customer service stuff on the phone and having people scream at me because they ordered the wrong shoe or and, whatever. And these places that you were going, these were the first times for you as well, right? Yeah. Like so I, you were being introduced to these places. Yeah. So like I'd never been to Zion or Bryce and I got to work there my whole first summer in 110 degree heat sometimes and it was so cool I remember being like this is my job I can't believe people have jobs like this and if you're like if I went to Coachella yeah if I, I wouldn't have this job and I do always tell people that I still have <laughs> never been and like if I'd ever gone to Coachella I wouldn't be here so if there's one thing people should take away from this episode don't go to Coachella don't go to Coachella <laughs> go to Nepal instead go through an earthquake get Jardia Oh, you didn't mention you got oh, Jardia. Oh, yeah, I got Jardia, so that was another... <laughs> wow, that, you just did it upright. Oh, Terrible man. tragedy, Jardia. Jardia, well, that was the worst. Your job. Jardia, I don't ever recommend that. Yeah, I don't think anyone... No. But once <laughs> you get it, well, you can always re-get it. Right, like, it remains in your system or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? So I got Jardia, so that was like, whoa, a lot of crazy travel time. So wait, were you suffering from Jardia during the earthquake? And- Before, because I was really, really paranoid on the trip because they talk a lot about if you get sick, a lot of times you have to like go back. You can't just keep trekking up to like 17,000 feet. Right, yeah, that's the other thing. You're fighting altitude also. Yeah. So if you have Jardia, which for anyone that doesn't know what Jardia is, it's uh, I forget if it's a parasite or a bacteria. It's a bacteria. It's a bacteria that you can get from untreated water that gets in your system, makes you sick and gives you beautiful things like vomiting and diarrhea and various other things where your body needs to evacuate this bacteria from your body. And so to have that and be fighting potential altitude sickness, did you have any problems with that? Yeah, so I actually started getting a lot more altitude problems because before this Nepal trip, I was like training in court of just like running and doing a lot of hiking, but it's all like at sea level in San Francisco. And a lot of people actually came from Colorado and my friend from college, she was from Colorado. So like they were doing like 14ers and they did a lot better for me, I remember I was like, oh, wow, I definitely feel this. And like the day Jardia hit really badly, I remember I was just like, oh, my God. I don't know how I'm going to do the rest of this. Yeah, and one of the things that's really important just in general, but especially at altitude, is to remain hydrated. And if you're suffering from Jardia... (laughs) You're not hydrated. Um, anyone who's done Everest Base Camp Trek, you can totally backpack and do the whole thing. But I know, like, ethically, you want to stop at tea houses and support local communities along that trek. So you, like, stop at tea houses. And I remember just, like, being head down, couldn't eat. And there's, like, this group of older Australians trekking. And they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? <laughs> Our guides just, like, drink this water and garlic soup. And I was like, this isn't working. I'm really sick. And I remember telling my friend, I'm like, oh, my God, I just don't want them to know how sick I am because I'm scared they're going to, like, send me home. I remember my guide talking to me being like, okay, like, you're not feeling super well. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, like actually though, and he was like, "All right, well, it's only three more hours, but it's all uphill." I'm pretty sure like all the color went out of my face. I was like. Oh, okay, because I've been running to the bathroom like every two minutes. This would be a really long three hours uphill. So I had pretty much Jardia. I didn't know that's what it was at the time until I came back to the States and I was like still really sick. And then your doctor let you know? Yeah, my doctor was like, oh, you have Jardia. That's why you've been really sick. So don't go to Coachella. Get Jardia. Go to Nepal. Yeah. Those are the things you should do so that you can get a job being the camp bitch for, <laughs> yeah, for the guide ca- services, right? <laughs> yeah, you can get the job. Where you'll like- find fulfillment. Yeah, you can be the camp bitch. You will be setting up tents in 120 degree heat in there, putting the cods up. You're cooking people's food. You're like sweating, super gross, trying to look like kind of presentable, cooking people's like fajitas over like this whole camping setup. And people are like, it's hot out. And you're like, oh, I'm aware. And you're like, no, you don't understand. I'm happy right now. Yeah, I was so happy. I was so into it. But yeah, so I did that and it was great. Had like the best time of my life. Moment to moment, everyone has some bad days and people that were with me definitely could attest to that. We all did. I think the heat also gets to you because we got sent to the canyons regions where like other people were sent to like the Tetons, you know, and they'd be like, oh, like every night, like we do like shots when the guests go to sleep or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, no, like we were so tired and like you can't do that. So did that whole summer. And then this past year, I've been working internationally and was working in China and Mongolia mostly. That was really fun as well. Switched Is over- this through the same service? No, I actually switched companies and I now work in student travel. So like went from guiding primarily like adults on like really high end vacations and now I do like more student travel where like it's a lot different. I think guiding adults with kids or students because like adults, you always have to be like, yes, definitely. And then students, you can push them a little more. So they've both been like rewarding in different ways. Tell us about these trips that you've been taking people on now. Yeah. So work internationally. So like before most trips were like five nights and six days. And now I do like 11 to 22 day trips. Oh, nice. Anyone's ever guided before, you know, that's a Mm -hmm. big amount of time. Because a week is a lot of time to be backpacking or do anything else. But then once you double and triple that, it compounds it. Yeah. And I think that when you're on a trip that long, I think as a trip leader or guide, you have this veil where you're always this person. I think my students would know who've traveled with me if they listen to this. That veil definitely like cracks a little bit more (laughs) because you're like, I've been with you for 20 days. (laughs) I work a variety of different trips. Sometimes they have different components. Sometimes they're more like service-based. Sometimes they're more conservation-based. In China, we did a lot of Shanghai, the Great Wall, but a good amount of trekking. We were doing like Tiger Leaping Gorge in the Yunnan province. And that was really cool because a lot of times these students that come and kids that come, it's their first time doing a hike. And it's really awesome to see how they rise to that occasion. And, you know, we'll do like a full day hike. Sometimes we're like out there for a really long time. And then I got to work in Mongolia, which is my favorite. Those trips are 22 days. They're like pretty rustic. We're a few days in Ulaanbaatar, and then we're like all the way out west in the Altai Mountains. Camping or staying in gears or like yurts, I guess what we call them in the west. Really big hiking, like you're in altitude with like eagle hunters and you're staying in Kazakh villages. And that was my first time ever being in Mongolia as well. And so to get to lead trips there was really cool. And were you still a camp bitch at this point? Or no, have you moved I'm like, into a, other yeah, roles? I'm not a camp bitch anymore. <laughs> 
anymore. <laughs> now I'm like a trip leader, which has been like awesome and really cool to work with. So you're going to need different skills if you're working camp versus if you're leading the trip. So how did they help you develop those skills that you needed? Yeah. So the company I worked with before went from camp bitch and then went into like support leading. So I've done some of that. And in a lot of ways, it's like pretty similar. And I've always been pretty athletic. So like that stuff I can handle pretty well. And a lot of it, I think, is just, like, helping people, like, manage expectations. Helping people, like, get over fear because that's been a big thing I've learned is a lot of people, when they travel, it is pretty fear-based. Helping people push healthy limits and be like, you know what, I know you can do this. And then also, like, managing stuff on the other side. You know, you have clients that get sick or students that get sick and helping people work through that or injuries. Now you're assessing if they have Jardia. Yeah, and if I you actually should know. let them continue yeah, That's, on. like, always the funny thing. You're, like, with these kids that are, like, 15 to 18, and that's such a vulnerable age. My first talk, we have to be like, you have to tell me about your poop, and I'm going to have to ask you. And if you won't tell me, you're going to have to show me. <laughs> yeah, we have this weird, funny system. One of my co-leaders and I heard from another leader, and they do it off, like, Harry Potter houses, and I'm like, just tell me, like, if you're in Slytherin, because it is important. Like, if you have diarrhea for five days, I need to know. Is that Slytherin? Is that's Slytherin, Slytherin diarrhea? Yeah. Oh, man. That's and it's a, really funny because, like, all these kids are like, no way. Like, I'm not talking about that. And then by the end of the trip, they'll be like, I'm in Slytherin again. You're going to be fine. We're going to, like, give you some rehydration salts. But if it's still, like, really bad after three days, we're going to start doing this. And again, you still like this better than all your jobs before. So much better. <laughs> it's the best job I've ever had. Did you ever suspect, like, oh, when you were back doing your corporate work, did you ever think, you know, if I was just in the sun, sweltering in heat, putting bunks together, talking to people about their feces, I would be so <laughs> much happier. No, I don't think I would have <laughs> ever thought that. <laughs> Because I was always on that mind track, like, no, no, I just need to work in, like, recruiting. That would be better. And now yeah. you're like, no, I need to work with people's feces and Yeah, I can and talk to people about their, like, bowel movements and watch them, like... True happiness. Cry, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> True happiness. <laughs> so let's talk about your students for a bit, because you went from guiding what it sounds like is kind of cushier adult trips to yeah. what are probably less cushy trips with teenagers. You've mentioned, like helping them deal with fears and various other things, but they're also developing into adults simultaneously. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the interesting situations you've had to deal with <laughs> guiding these teenagers in other countries. Well, I think it's interesting because I've kind of forgotten what it's like to be like 16. And, you know, these kids come and they actually are very like articulate and like in their mind, they always have like an idea of like what they want to do. And I really, like, commend them for that. And a lot of kids come in too cool for school. You kind of hear them. They're not supposed to talk around us and, like, we do correct them. You know, like, oh, I like to party and, like, take shots. And you're like, excuse me? Like, that's not appropriate. But you know they, like, do that. The company I work for, we have very strict policy. Like, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs. And I haven't had any issues with that, actually, on trips. But I see more, like, kids that are too cool for school. And I think the most interesting thing that happens is... You know, when I was in Mongolia, we had a few kids like that, even though like they're awesome. They kind of had like more of like an edge to them. And we had been staying in a Kazakh village. They're helping. We're like in the village, in and out. They're getting to know like the local kids and they go play like basketball with them. One night we were going to deliver food supplies because Mongolia has a lot of like food scarcity to the homes of a lot of these kids they'd been interacting with and playing with and would come hang at the gares with them. Their houses are like the size of like half of someone's bedroom. And it was crazy because you see a lot of these kids just break down and start sobbing. 
because I just don't think they were aware that that's how like a lot of people in the world live. Then we kind of like after dinner to talk about what the day was like and how do students be like, I never really realized, but I think I figured out what I want to do in my life is I want to like help people. And these are kids that were like, whatever, like, oh, I smoke jewels and my parents don't know. And they're like, no, no, like, I want to, like, help people. And I don't know necessarily how that is. But when I go to college, I want to major in something and I want to find a career where I genuinely help people in this world. So you get a lot of that. And that's, like, crazy to really see that much growth in somebody in maybe only three weeks. And then also you get, like, the funny stuff as well. Where, like, also the company work for, they're like, there's no hooking up, no nothing. You see crushes form and you have to do like room checks <laughs> and stuff like that and you actually act super tough or like they'll play music if we're all in like a bus together and you're like no like rap music with swear words in it even though you're like i'm probably listening to this with my headphones on and they think you're like the lamest person ever like i had a kid ask me they're like uh miss courtney have you ever drank before and you're just like nope why are you asking me this you know you're like let me tell you a story about coachella yeah you're like you don't even know but you're just like no stop asking these questions and I'm like, do you want to talk about like sustainability in China? <laughs> <laughs> and what do they say when you say that? They just like laugh. They say I, I no, think kids and like then to, like... two weeks later, they're like, let's totally talk about sustainability. <laughs> yeah. But you have a lot of kids try to like press boundaries. I get a lot of kids that ask like, have you ever done mushrooms before? And I'm like, okay, why don't we talk about what you're most excited about, about going camping? <laughs> and they're like, doing mushrooms. You're like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> and you're like, well, let's talk about what you're actually going to do yeah. when you go camping when I confiscate your mushrooms. You know, it's funny. I think that's like an age where the kids like to push boundaries and see how much they can get away with. Yeah, they're still gauging yeah. what the world is like outside of their experience. Yeah. yeah. So last year, you said, is when you were doing this, right? So I was in India earlier this year for personal travel and then went to China for this. So I just switched over to this new company. Okay, so this year? Yeah, this year. So tell us how this brings us to Occupation Wild. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't have a big Instagram following at all, but I, I guess maybe enough that I started getting like a lot of people asking me questions. People I didn't personally know being like, how do you travel so much? What are your tips or tricks for finding cheap airfare? And I was like, oh, my company pays for this. <laughs> You're like, this get is, a job. This is my job. And then people would be like, no way. Like people thought like I was like getting flown out to like do like an office job, you know, like when people go on right, business right, trips. Right, and right. I was like, no, no, like I take people on vacation. So I kind of just had this idea that once you're in the industry, you know a lot more companies in it, but even still I find new ones every day. So I was like, why don't I create a job board for this industry? Because there are job boards now that focus on seasonal hiring, but you go on them and it's be a waitress in Maine, be housekeeping at a mountain resort. I think every job is like worthy of time and every job is like respectable, but a lot of times that's not what people are looking for. Right. You, were, you were trying to share jobs like what you found. Yeah, You're trying what, to help people have that of, experience. And I know from my company now and the company I used to work for, like they have big hiring needs every year because for guiding, it's not necessarily something that people stay in. A lot of people stay in for 20 years. Like people do maybe like a few seasons and then maybe they get married or have kids or like something like that happens. So I was like, oh, well, like why don't I help people find jobs and why don't I help companies find people to hire? So I actually was supposed to be guiding now. Right this moment? Right this moment. Oh, but shit. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have such a chill boss, and I kind of was like, this is what I want to do. And she was like, no, totally, totally. Once my summer season ended, 
She's like, you know, you can take fall and winter off and like go do that. And I'm super lucky to be in a company that like supports that. So I came out and just started like building a website and started kind of reaching out to companies and started learning as I was going. A big thing for me was I started running Facebook ads when I just had a welcome page. Like you couldn't get on the site at all, but it was like prompting people to sign up for an email list. And like after week one, I had 500 people sign up. Really? And I was like, oh no. I haven't even gone one company to like be on here because <laughs> I'd put a date being like coming October 29th. And how were you advertising it on Facebook? I was doing it through Facebook ads. But what was your advertisement? So I had a few different ways I did this and some of the ads were like want to get paid to travel and then I also would just go into like travel Facebook groups and be like hey I worked as venture travel guide this year I've, for my personal travel I got to go to India and Bali and then I also was working in China Mongolia it's an awesome job you get to live rent free and I was like I'm helping other people find jobs in this industry if you're interested and that's how I got a lot of initial traffic and I would just let people ask me questions and be like how do you do this what's it like and just try to be really good about like answering them as thoughtfully as I could and meanwhile you were lying to everybody because you didn't have anything set up no, I didn't have anything set up. I was like, oh no. Because I thought like, all right, I'm going to do this. Maybe I get like 50 people before the launch and I know maybe half of them would be like my family or something. I just didn't expect like that many people to be interested. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I just took it a lot more seriously. And a big hurdle for me to get over was like, I'd like email companies and I was like, I got to make calls. Uh And I know like some people are really comfortable with cold calling. It was something for me I still struggle with. But yeah, just like started calling and pitching and obviously get great feedback. You get horrible feedback and everything in between. And you probably get a whole lot of, oh, that sounds great. We'll get right back to you oh. and then never hear from them yeah, again. Yeah, somebody gave me a fake email once and I was like, wait, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I called them back and he was like, oh. Was Did like, you intend to give me an incorrect email or yeah, it's an accident? <laughs> he was like, um, we're not interested. <laughs> and you kind of start to feel like that crazy ex or something being like, hey, it's me again. I sent you an email. I was just kind of selling those like I've like been a guide like I get what you guys are looking for and I can like deliver on that got companies on and like when we launched we had a good amount of companies on there since then it's been really successful it's only been around since October 29th so I think there's really awesome days and there's like sometimes you'll have a few days where you're like oh why am I doing this this is super dumb so tell us how the website works if you are a company or if you're a person looking for the job so if you're a company We have different pricing packages. So if you want like the highest one, we'll like put you up towards the top of the job board and we'll blast the job to our email list and we'll do like social media stuff. And we get a lot of good feedback from like our email list and social media and stuff like that. So there's different pricing packages and they check them out depending on what their hiring needs are because like every company is different. And if you're looking for a job, it's super easy. You just go on and click jobs and we're doing some changes to that right now. And is it free for people looking for work? For free. Yeah, totally free. We do have membership because a lot of people have a lot of questions. So for $20, you can get a lifetime membership. And what we do there is we also give you free resume and cover letter advice and some interview tips if you need anything through that. And you also get jobs sent to you early because a lot of these companies hire off a rolling basis. So it's always nice just to kind of get that application in first. So you can have a membership if you'd like. It's $20 for a lifetime. Or if not, it's totally free to go check the jobs out. And so how's that working so far? Is it primarily you running the business? Yeah, it's just me. I say we, but... Yeah, every, <laughs> just get everybody used to that. does that. <laughs> yeah, so it's just me, and I know that's like a big thing. 
I was talking to someone about this. You listen to like Tim Ferriss and they're always like, don't do it all yourself, automate all of this and send all, delegate, but I can't afford that. So it's just me, but it's actually been going super well. I've got like crazy good feedback, which has been really surprising. I think at the beginning, it's good, especially in this case, to probably have it be all you doing everything so that when it does branch out to include other employees, you actually understand everything. You're not beholden to other people to manage your business. You can manage the business and let other people help you do the work. Yeah. And I've just kind of found I have a lot of energy and I've found this in the past. Sometimes when you try to like work with people, it's not completely the right fit. A lot of people are like, I don't want to actually work this much on it. So like right now I'm pretty happy with it just being me. I know at one point I'd love to like branch out and bring more people on. Yeah. So what's the ultimate goal for the company? Is it to just be the best job board for this type of job? Yeah. We just want to, or I just want it to be. No, we. We, we, we. (laughs) It's me and all my personalities. I want it to be like the number one place if people want an outdoor adventure job. It's more than just like seasonal work. It's for people that are really looking for like that lifestyle change. Or even if people are guiding or just like, I just want to see what else is out there. Because there are a lot of companies where people guide and maybe they're not the best. We have some like really, really great companies on there that I know like take really good care of their guides. And I do try to like kind of do a little background checking on people. And if they have like horrible reviews, then I just like don't put them on the site. Because like I do want people to like go on Occupation Wild and feel comfortable that where they're applying, like they will be happy at. Right. So you have a vetting process. Yeah. So that makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. You want somebody to do that work for you. Tell us a little bit about some of the feedback you've been getting from people that are using the website. Oh, the people that are looking for jobs. And maybe the businesses as well. For the people that are looking for jobs, we get good feedback. A lot of people that are kind of like me or like maybe especially still in college and are looking for like a different route. You know, and people use the jobs and apply. I think the hard thing on our end is we can see how many people are clicking through to like view applications, but we can't see how many people actually fill that application out. So that's been like a hurdle with companies. Sometimes people won't say where they found this job, but it's really crazy. Like people write to us from Instagram and are like, I just want to say, I'm so happy I found you guys. That's really cool. You also get people that are like, do you have office jobs? And I'm like, no, there's like 1 million other sites where you can like (laughs) find that. They want like office jobs in the outdoor industry. And I'm like, no, there are other resources for that. And then for companies, we've gotten really good feedback as well. You know, and people like pay to sign on for extra months. And the site companies that are on the site always are really positive. And they're also like kind of understanding that it's like a new company. And I work very closely with them, try to help them out as much as possible. You also get like some mean people when you reach out, have very negative feedback. (laughs) (laughs) No, I could see where this could be super valuable because this is the kind of thing where I've looked back and thought, man, I sure wish when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s or late teens, I was aware of this and this and this because those were things that I didn't know existed, much less were options. Well, yeah. So this is one place to find those things. Yeah, it was actually pretty pretty crazy because maybe a few weeks ago, I was at a fundraising event randomly in San Francisco and never really go out to stuff like that. And this woman came up to me and was like, do you own a business? Just by reflex, I was like, no. And she was like, that's so weird. You look just like this girl who started this company called Occupation Wild. And I was like, wait, what? Because she was like, maybe around my mom's age. And I was and like, like uh, I guess I do own a business. I was like, actually, I was like, and it sounded like weird. I was like, no, actually, that is me. And she's like, oh. I was like, I don't know. I'm just distracted. And she's like, I don't know how I found your website, but I like sent it to my daughter. And she thought it was so cool. And she doesn't think anything I ever send her is cool. <laughs> so you were branching the world of the older people and their children 
Lauren. You're yeah. the bridge between them now. Oh, God, yeah. Well, and it's funny because <laughs> older adults, when I kind of talk to them about it, are like, I wish that was around when I was in my 20s. I mean, I'm an older person myself. I wish I had known about those things when I was in my 20s. I wish I had even known about Peace Corps. Oh, I didn't even Peace know Corps, about the yeah. Peace Corps when I was younger. I wish that was a thing I had been aware of. Yeah, I almost signed up for the Peace Corps. But instead, you went to Nepal, Nepal. instead of the Coachella. But it was back in 2013 when all the <laughs> scandals came out, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe not but a I good time. I kind of wish I had. It would have been fun. Well, you know, so now you've got this business, yeah. and you're guiding, occasionally camp bitching. So what's the plan? Is the plan to do both simultaneously, to continue to guide and travel? I love guiding and want to do it as long as possible. But that being said, I have had to, like, check myself a little bit. Maybe, like, right before the company launched, I got reached out to by this girl. I don't want to, like, call her out because I know people are, like, private about this. She's, like, pretty well-known on Instagram as a photographer. And she was like, hey, met somebody who knew you. I need a photography assistant for this expedition in Nepal. Do you want to, like, come? You would just be taking some of the preliminary photography and carrying a lot of the gear. And I was like, yes! I had to realize, I was like, wait, this is like a week after I'm supposed to launch this company. I wrote to her being like, I'm sorry, I have to launch this company and I can't go. It was like kind of the first time in a little bit that I haven't been able to like do whatever I really wanted to do and I haven't been working. So I do want to really want to guide. I'm seeing right now how everything goes because I've been like working on Occupation Wild full time. I also have some smaller side gigs that I like work on for like extra income. Just really playing it by ear right now because it is a lot of work, but working on getting it to a point where it's a little more automated and so I could potentially be away from my computer for a day if I had to if I was guiding everything wouldn't like catch on fire right because once you are guiding somebody's got to help you manage that while yeah, you're gone and yeah. there's some people I've talked to about that and I think that will be like fine but I'm just playing it by ear because if it got to the point where I couldn't guide, I hope that doesn't come to it because I just think guiding's so fun. Love seeing the world. It also makes you better at the occupation wild work as well. Yeah, no, totally. Because you need I to be like, informed on the jobs you're selling people. Yeah, so I gave the company I guide for a few weeks ago my like top three destinations or regions and see what they come back with because companies always ask, but they can always be like, you know what, actually we need you here, which is like totally fine. You go where like the need is. But I'm planning on guiding maybe not as much as I was doing it more like for fun which sounds funny and like doing it for the summer but not doing it from like January to December so let's tell people where they can find your website and then any other information with you that you want to share if you want to share social media accounts other websites yeah, totally. You stuff. can find Occupation Wild at www.occupationwild.com. It's a good thing that you purchased a sensible domain. <laughs> I know. Well, somebody was like, that might be a bad domain because occupation is hard to spell. I was like, is it really? <laughs> and then if you want to look at Occupation Wild's Instagram, it's occupation underscore wild. If you want to follow me in like my travels it's courtney m condy c-o-n-d-y on instagram not really on like a lot of other platforms but occupation wild is if you like go to the bottom of the page there's like pinterest and a facebook and an instagram and so what i like to do at the very end of the show is ask you if there's anything we haven't covered yet that you want to talk about or if you have a thought you want to leave everybody with Ooh, i don't think there's nothing we haven't covered I guess if I had to leave anybody with a thought, this is like what I tell my students day one of trips. I always say like, just embrace the journey. And I think a lot about that on my past life. I could have obviously gone right into the outdoor industry, but the journey took me to corporate, to not Coachella, to Nepal, to Colorado, to be here now. So just embrace the highs and lows and you'll get where you have to be. Just trust in, keep loving the universe. <laughs> and to sum it all up, just say no to Coachella. Yeah, no Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, we'll call it a 
show. Thank you for coming off of an airplane, shooting across <laughs> town, meeting me here at a random park that I found and uh, recording this. Oh, thank you. It's awesome. And Courtney tells me that not only is Occupation Wild growing, but that she has also hired her first employee. So now when she says we, it is sincerely a we. And they're working on an Occupation Wild podcast. And I will inform all of you here on the show as soon as their show goes live. And now, of course, is that time for you to go to our website, gogetoutside.com. Look for this, episode 82 with Courtney Condy, and there you will find photographs and links of all the things we talked about in today's show. And should you want to contact us to talk about the things we discussed in today's show or to discuss previous episodes or future topics you'd like to hear, or if you just need somebody to talk to, if you're feeling lonely and you want to contact somebody at a podcast, you can do that numerous ways. Email go at butcherbirdstudios.com or leave us a voice message or a text 818-925-0106. And if you would, please do us here at the show a great big favor. Head to your podcast purveyor of choice, subscribe, rate, review the show, and please share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. This episode of the Go Get Outside podcast was produced and recorded with additional editing by me, your host, Jason Milligan. It was edited by Griffin Davis and, as always, brought to you by Butcher Bird Studios. Next time on the show, come back April 16th for Daniel Harm. He is a tree-climbing, trail-building artist, cyclist-turned-filmmaker who is going to share stories and thoughts from an extremely intriguing life. Come back April 16th, Daniel Harm. See you then. <laughs>